This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who have taken the time to tune in to watch our broadcast today. It is very encouraging to hear from so many of you telling us that you watch Getting to Know Your Bible. Many of you watch it every time we come on the air. Thank you for your encouragement. Now today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this topic, time. Time. That's something that all of us have a limited supply of, time. Stay tuned. Now today we continue to offer the free Bible Correspondence Course. I emphasize the course is free and that you might know how to receive the free course. Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I want to read a passage from the book of Colossians, the fourth chapter of Colossians, and in verse number five. In verse number five, this is what Paul wrote. Walk in wisdom toward those that are without redeeming the time. Now in the New King James Version, it reads like this. Walk in wisdom toward those that are outside redeeming the time. So as we live the Christian life, we are to use wisdom and walk in wisdom toward those that are not Christians that we might be able to win them to Christ and we are to use the time that we have in a very wise way. Time is perhaps our most precious commodity. Because you see, when our time ends, life ends. And all of us have a very limited amount of time. Benjamin Franklin said, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for time is the stuff of which life is made. See, when our life ends, when time ends, our life ends. It was Thomas Edison who said, time is the most important thing in the world. The time that we have is rather brief on, on this planet. As a matter of fact, our days are like, are, are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, we are told in the Bible. Our, the day, our days on this earth are like water that's spilled on the ground. It's, it's there only a little while, then it's absorbed into the earth. 
In Job 14 and 1, we're told that man that is born of woman is a few days. We just have a few days on this earth. The, the man who lived the longest, so far as we know, was a man by the name of Methuselah. 969 years. And that was just a few days compared to eternity. Yes, we only have a limited amount of time. In James, the fourth chapter, James said, ask this question, what is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. So we're here only for a little time. In Psalms chapter 90 and verse 10, the psalmist said, the days of our years are threescore years and ten. If by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, we fly away. Well, if we were to live to be as old as Methuselah, it's just a short time here on this earth. But most of us are not going to live past the threescore years and ten, perhaps fourscore years. Maybe many people are living up into their nineties and some into the hundreds uh, nowadays. But that's still a short time on this earth. And so the clock of life is wound but once. And no man has the power to tell when the hands of that clock are going to stop, whether at late or early hour. When we think about our time, there are really three divisions of time. First of all, there is the past or yesterday. And all of the opportunities of yesterday are gone, never to be recalled. All of us had opportunities yesterday and the day before, the day before, and all of the days of the yesterdays of the past. Many of those opportunities we took advantage of, many of them we did not. But you see, they are now gone. Time cannot be stored up like money. It cannot be hurried up like travel. And it cannot be brought back like health. See, once our time is gone, it is gone forever. So we have the past. But then that brings us to the second division of time. That's today. All we have is Today, right now, today is the accepted time, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2. You see, today is the time for action in our lives. But very likely I'm speaking to some person right now who has some ideas in their minds about things that they really need to do, things that would improve their lives, things that would make life more livable, but you've never gotten around to doing those things, may I encourage you, do it now. Don't, don't hesitate and don't put it off for another day. Do it now. Maybe you've been thinking, I need to read the Bible more. And we all need to read the Bible. As Paul stated in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God. All of us need to be diligent students of the Word, Acts 17, 11. Well, why don't you do it now? Don't put it off for another minute, not another day. Do it now. Do, do you realize you need to pray more? 
And all of us could say that. I think every individual could say, I really need to spend more time in prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of righteous people avails much. There's power in prayer, James 5, 16. And one of the reasons that we do not have some of the best blessings that God can provide is because we've not asked for those blessings. Jesus, uh, James said in James 4 and 2, you have not because you ask not. Jesus in Matthew 7 and 7 said, ask and you shall receive. So have you asked? Have you been praying? You say, well, I know I need to pray more. Well, let me encourage you, do it now. Because today is all you have. Do, do, you, need, do, you, do you see the need to, to become a New Testament Christian? Maybe you've been watching, getting to know your Bible for a long time. And maybe you've been saying to yourself, you know, someday I'm going to visit the Church of Christ and someday I'm going to get someone to baptize me for the remission of my sins. Someday. Friends, someday's not on your calendar. All you have is right now. If you see the need of doing that, let me encourage you, do it now. Do you see the need for being a forgiving person? Realizing that Jesus said that unless we're willing to forgive others, that we'll not be forgiven? Let me encourage you, do it now. Do you see the need for being a kinder, more loving individual? Isn't that really what we need in our world today? More kindness, more love. People who are dealing gently one with another. Well then, why don't you do it now because today is all you have. And once we let the opportunities of today glide by without taking advantage of them, then today becomes yesterday. And so all we have is right now. Someone says, well, I'll do it another day. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 1, Solomon said, Boast not thyself of tomorrow. For a man doth not know what a day may bring forth. You see, you do not know what tomorrow may bring. But that brings us to the third division of time, and that is tomorrow. That there seems to be in man's thinking the concept or the idea that, that I can put off until tomorrow things that I know that I should do today. That is, we just ha ha are prone to procrastinate and put off things we know that will make life more livable, make our lives better lives. Why are we like that? Why do you suppose we do those kinds of things? Well, I don't know all of the answers, but I do know man is prone to put off till tomorrow what he ought to do today. That's a dangerous thing. First of all, tomorrow may never come. Tomorrow, you may have seen your last sunrise. I would hope not, but it's going to be the last sunrise for lots of people on planet Earth. You see, today is the last day some people are going to live. You don't have the promise of tomorrow. In the language of a song that is often used as an invitation song in services, after a man has preached the sermon, tomorrow's sun may never rise to bless thy long deluded sight. And tomorrow's sun might not rise for you. It might not rise for me. 
We just don't know because it's appointed unto a man once to die, and Hebrews 9, 27, and we do not know when that time is coming. Even if a person is terminally ill, and I know of some people right now that are very close to me that are terminally ill, but you see, no doctor can say, I know exact day that person is going to die. They cannot say that because they do not know that. And so none of us knows how much more time we have. Tomorrow may be your last day. It's a dangerous thing to put off until tomorrow because tomorrow you might be so hardened against the gospel as to be insensitive to the appeal of the gospel. Ephesians 4 and verse 19 does talk about people who are past feeling. We can get to that point that we are past feeling. We are insensitive to the gospel message. Someone has said that the gospel will either harden you or soften you. And if we continue to spurn the gospel, it's very, it's very likely that we will begin to harden against the appeal of the gospel message. And so we need to do it today. You know you need to be a Christian. I'd say do it now. Do it today. Don't put off until tomorrow what needs to be done today. And of course tomorrow the Lord could come back. We don't have any idea when our Lord is going to return. You don't want to be caught unprepared when Jesus comes back. That's the reason Jesus said, watch for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And when Jesus said, watch, he was saying you need to be ready. You need to be prepared for the coming, for his return, to his coming back. And he is coming back someday. He said so. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again. He will come again. So tomorrow could bring the Lord back. So today is the day you need to do something about your soul because you don't have the promise of tomorrow. Why do you suppose people want to put off until tomorrow? I do not know. But I know man's prone to do that. For example, you, you take uh, Pharaoh, who was the uh, king in Egypt when God's people were enslaved in Egypt. And of course, you know the story of God raising up Moses, and Moses comes to appear before Pharaoh, and he pleads with Pharaoh to let the people go. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he refused to let the people go. And then, then Pharaoh uh, had all these plagues to come against him and his people. Ten of those were ten plagues. One of those plagues was a plague of frogs. I can't imagine how many frogs they had in Egypt when they had a plague of them. And frogs everywhere. Can't imagine having frogs everywhere. Can you imagine getting your, in your bed at night and, and when you slip under the covers, you put your foot on an old, slimy, cold frog? Well, they were frogs everywhere. And so Pharaoh comes to Moses and said, Entreat the Lord from you. What do you want? Get rid of all these frogs. And, and Moses asked him, when, when would you like for me to do it? He said, Do it tomorrow. Why do you suppose... He wanted to put it off until tomorrow. Charles Hodge, a gospel preacher, uh, preached a sermon one time, one more night with the frogs. Why do you suppose Pharaoh wanted to spend one more night with the frogs? It's, it's because we're prone to want to put off till tomorrow 
what ought to be done today, but you may not have tomorrow. So time is divided into those three dimensions, the past, the present, the future. But all time is really insignificant compared to the endless dimension of eternity. And I don't have adequate language now to, to try to describe eternity. There, there are several reasons. First of all, I've not experienced eternity yet. And secondly, how do you describe something that is endless and where there, where there is no time? I really am not sure how to do that. We say time, eternity is like a ring. It has no beginning. It has no end. Well, that's true. But what does that really say to us? I think you might as well try to find the cradle of God and the tomb of God is to find the beginning and the end of eternity. It has no end. But our lives are connected to eternity. Think about it. We have an eternal Father. In the 90th Psalm, and in verse 2, the psalmist said that God is from everlasting to everlasting. Now, I may not fully comprehend that, but I believe it. That he is a God who inhabits eternity, according to Isaiah the prophet. He is a God who is in eternity. Our Father is an eternal Father. We serve an eternal Lord. In John chapter 8, Jesus said, Before Abraham was, I am. That is, I've always been. I've always existed. Jesus Christ was not a created being. He's co-eternal with the Father. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, Paul wrote, He is before all things, speaking of Christ, He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So Jesus Christ existed in eternity. As a matter of fact, in Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, there's a prophecy about Jesus and the place where Jesus would be born. And then the prophet said, Whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. We serve an eternal Lord. So we have an eternal Father. We serve an eternal Lord. And... We're going to receive an eternal reward. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 46, the very last passage in that chapter, as a matter of fact, and there are three parables in that chapter, and all of them deal with the sin of, of, of failing to do what God commands us to do, the sin of doing nothing. That, that's what they deal with, all three of them, the sin of doing nothing. And in the last of those, Jesus gives a parable about the judgment to come. And he has the sheep on the one side, the goats on the other side. And Jesus is talking about that scene in verse 46. And these, that is the goats, shall go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous, that is those on the right side, those that are called the sheep, into life eternal. You see, we are subject to receive an eternal reward.
we are connected to eternity. Not only that, we have an eternal soul. One of these days, this old body of mine is going to be placed in Mother Earth to await the resurrection day. And then when I'm resurrected, that this old body that is now subject to disease, decay, and, and age will become a glorified body. And it will become the house of an eternal soul. Our soul lives on. Uh, there, there's a song we often sing about the, the going to a place where the soul of man never dies. Well, man has an everlasting soul, a never-dying soul. In Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, Solomon talked about man going to his long home and the mourners going about the streets. And that long home is for the eternal soul. In Genesis 2 and 7, when the Lord made that first man, the Bible says that he formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a, a living soul. And that soul can be saved or that soul can be lost eternally. In Matthew 16 and 26, Jesus asked, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In Matthew chapter 10 and 28, Christ said, Fear not him who is able to destroy the body, but hath no power over the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and the body in hell. So the soul of man is in the hands of God. The soul of man is eternal. One day I will die. There might be a, a notice in the newspaper and there might be some announcement made at the church service that Brother Lambert has died. And then in a few days, people will begin to uh, forget about Brother Lambert. That's just natural. If I were to ask some of the young people today in the church at Somerdale where I preach, tell me about John F. Kennedy. They'd say, who? Oh, I I've heard of him somewhere. But those of us who are older know well about John F. Kennedy. And if you were to ask them about Eisenhower, Dwight Eisenhower, the man that was nicknamed Mike, they'd not have a clue who you were talking about. You see, when people die here on this earth, people have a tendency to forget, the, forget about them. But you see, you're not going to be forgotten on life's other side. You're going to live in eternity. And so we are connected with that timeless dimension that is called eternity. And because of that, because of that, I'm going to view things with a completely different perspective. For example, knowing that I'm going to live forever, I'm going to have a different view of how God deals with His people and how God is dealing with us in the realm of His special providence. In Romans 8, 28, the Bible reads like this, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are the called according to His purpose. You see, knowing that I'm going to live forever, I, I have a better understanding then of why God is working in my life within the parameters of His established will and established law, both naturally and spiritually, that God is working things out for my good and for my benefit. You see, I can understand that because I'm connected to eternity. 
And because I'm connected to eternity, it helps me with the priorities that I set in my life. It helps me to value things where value ought to be placed. Jesus put it like this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God in his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. We get so frustrated sometimes about things in life, material objects, material things. But when we put the Lord first in our lives, and I realize that I'm connected to an eternal Father, an eternal Savior, and that I am filled with an eternal spirit, Hebrews 9, 14, then I'm going to set priorities that are going to help me on my journey into eternity. I'm going to put first things first in my life. One of the first things we ought to do, of course, in, in, in that regard is to give our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, John 14 and 6. And no man comes unto the Father but by Him. Someone says, don't you think that one way is as good as another way? Absolutely not. In John 10 and 9, Jesus said, I am the door. By, by me, if any man enter in, he shall go, he shall go in and out. And sh uh, sh he shall be saved and shall go in and out and shall find pasture. If you've got to enter in through Jesus Christ in order to be saved, and to enter into Jesus Christ, to enter that door, you must believe on Jesus Christ. Not because I say that that's what you must do. It's because that's what Jesus in the Bible says we must do. In John 8, 24, you must repent of your sins, Luke 13 and 3. You must confess that you believe in Jesus, Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. And then as a penitent confessing believer, you're to be baptized into Jesus Christ that you might be saved, Mark 16, 16. You see, there Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. If you've not done that, please don't hesitate. Do it now. Do it now. You're connected to eternity. And please be prepared. Now, in the closing moments, may I give you a very personal invitation to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also, will you please pick up the telephone, call the number that you've seen on the screen, and request the free Bible correspondence course. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord keep you, is my fervent prayer. Being at Faulkner is like being a part of a big family. I feel safe here. It seems like I know everybody, and even my professors know me by name. My faith in Christ has grown a lot since coming to Faulkner, especially working with this outstanding Bible department and seeing the general Christian lives of all the professors on campus. Faulkner University is a growing, academically strong institution where Christ is the center of everything we do. Visit our website today to see what Faulkner has for you. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to 
Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580 or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. <laughs>